why don't you go ahead and uh, count us down? All right, everyone. Three, two, one. This beer is brought to you by our supporter, my own brother, Kyle DeRosiers, <laughs> who is one of our sponsors on our Kofi page. If you want to buy us a beer and help keep the show on the air, go to Kofi.com slash AttemptAdventure. So what have you got, James? I have a ska brewing company uh, from Durango, Colorado, the Tropical Hazy IPA. Nice. Um, I do like a hazy IPA, so... Smells very, very citrusy and tropical. That's oh, really good. That is very, very nice. Thank you, Kyle, for my beer. Well, James, we have another supporter that we have to thank. Unfortunately, it was a religious holiday the other day, and beer is not available in Thailand on religious holidays. However, uh, I'm going to do something grossly irresponsible. I'm going to be having some rum. This is Sang Som. <laughs> it's a breakfast rum. <laughs> <laughs> it's it's nine. It's almost ten o'clock. You're good. It's 10 o'clock somewhere, and that somewhere is here. So here we <laughs> um, So this one, this drink, is sponsored by a dear friend of mine, Alex In from South Africa. Uh, so Alex, thank you for buying me a drink. I will definitely have another beer in your honor. But today I'm having a, uh, a little bit of rum. So you know that uh, you've seen that, that, uh, that meme, that cooking video, where the lady is making like a smoothie and she's got the vodka and she's like two shots of vodka and she like pours half the bottle. Yeah, it's amazing. <laughs> two shots of rum. Glug, 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 glug. Uh, so, uh, so Alex and <laughs> Kyle, cheers. And thank you guys so much for supporting the show. Uh, and ladies and gentlemen, if you want to support the show, you can buy us a drink. It doesn't have to be a beer. It could be a coffee. Could be a shot of rum, um, <laughs> but you can always also sign up at one of our membership tiers and get some little goodies. So James, take us away. Or is it my intro? Whose intro is it's it? It's your intro. Yeah. It's my intro. It's your okay. intro. That's right. So here we <laughs> I go. I was like, wait a minute. <laughs> well, <laughs> I haven't even started drinking yet. Here we go. I know. <laughs> You are listening to Season 2, Episode 13 of the Attempt Adventure Podcast. A podcast all about travel, finding adventure every day, and seeking out adventurous ways to make life a little more interesting. From Bangkok, Thailand, I'm your host, Michael DeRosiers, joined as always by my co-host... James Barrett from Boulder, Colorado. Well, not from, but currently living in Boulder, Colorado. Yeah, well, I'm not from Bangkok either. There will be a point in my life when I have lived here longer... Than I lived in the U.S., and that will be when I turn 44 years old. You know, I passed my nine-year anniversary a couple weeks back. Just crazy to think about. Oh, man. Really? Nine? Nine years? You know, I honestly, I don't think I could actually, I don't think I could actually assimilate back in the U.S. anymore. Like, I, it's great when I go back and visit and I fit in and I feel like it's, you know, still home. But, like, I don't know how to do adult things. I would be starting over like a 23 year old college grad you know i don't know how to like open a bank account and that's not true i have a u.s bank account i don't know how to like <laughs> i don't know buy a phone plan or stuff like that that i know how no, to trust do me it's, it's it's no it's i don't know nobody here knows well james in this episode we're going to be talking about airport survival a lot of times in travel 
we talk about like travel tips, but people traveling abroad end up spending a lot of time in airports. So I thought today we would share our favorite airport stories, as well as just tips and advice for passing those long, long, boring hours in the airport. But first, James, you did not have to do anything new or adventurous this week, and neither did I, but we both had to do penalties. We had to do two. So you had to have coffee outdoors, and you had to learn about your nearest haunted site. I did. I had to go to my airport, and I also had to learn about my nearest historical marker. I, um, it's been hot in Colorado lately, so you could tell me if this is cheating and then I will do another penalty. I bought a, a, like, canned coffee and then cracked it open and poured it into a cup sitting on my patio. That is is totally not cheating, James. That is coffee (laughs) and that was outside. It's hot and I don't have, um, air conditioning, so it's one of the few days when I woke up. Normally it's still in the 60s when I wake up and it's very nice, and but... For whatever reason, it was already almost 90 degrees by the time I woke up. And I was going to go plug my kettle in and make coffee and everything else. And I was like, you know what? No. I walked to the gas station, got a canned coffee, and opened it. (laughs) How about your other one? How about your haunted site? What is the nearest haunted site to where you live? So the closest is Boulder Creek, which runs through downtown Boulder, basically Pearl Street Mall. Not a whole lot of information about this one, mostly like local sightings. It's not so much a historical haunting. Okay. Um, there's a few of those, but it's more a modern kind of haunting, local legend. So this one, oh, let me read you the little blurb. Okay. Near Ninth Avenue and Pearl Street, pretty much right, it's in the middle of town, right in the middle of town. If you go down next to the creek late at night, you might see a man with a dark hat, his head tipped to the ground, carrying a dark tote bag. Huh. But when he turns around, he has no face. Some believe this is the ghost of William Tull, who was arrested for stealing horses in the 1800s and imprisoned, beaten, tortured, and hanged on Pearl Street. The catch, it was discovered he was innocent. So that is the closest one to me. Not a whole lot in northern Boulder. North Boulder is kind of newer, so less historical stuff. That, and, and I think people do forget that at one point, Colorado was very much the Wild West. Oh, yeah. During the 1800s, it really, really was. So that is the nearest haunting to me. I mean, then they're like cemeteries. It's like, yeah, every cemetery is going to be haunted. That's just how it works. Awesome, James. I like that. Well, well done. You do not owe me $50. That's good. good. I don't have it. (laughs) (laughs) I don't have it. So that's really good. Well, good news for me. Bad news for you. I don't owe you $50 either. I went to the airport. I did not go to Suwannapum Airport. I went to Don Wong International, which is near where I live. Uh, it's closer. You can take the bus there for 30 baht. Damwang Airport is actually the oldest airport in Asia. It celebrated its 100th birthday several years back. I think it's around 105, 106 years old now. It was open in, I can tell you for sure, let's see, 1914. Uh, obviously, it's been renovated <laughs> since then. It's a nice airport. It's a lot smaller than Sawanaboom. It is an international airport. It's more of a regional airport. You know, you can fly to other Asian countries real easily. That's really interesting to me because for those of you that aren't up to date on aviation history, the first um, powered flight in human history was in, only in 1903. Yeah, Thailand was way was ahead pretty, of the game there. Yeah. Yeah, and I'm just realizing this is really thematic for our episode as well. That, that works out quite well. Mm-hmm. But uh, yeah, it's a, it's a great little airport. I don't think you've ever been there though, have you? I have not, no. I also had to find my nearest local historical site. And that is Chattachek Market. And you have been there. So I know that you and I went there together. Chattachek Market goes back to 
19 goes back to 1942. So in 1948, this is a little bit of a Thai history for you. In 1948, Thailand had recently undergone a coup that ended the absolute monarchy. And it was currently under the administration of a guy named Field Marshal Plake Pibunsongkrom, also known as Marshal P or just Pibun. He instituted a vast series of reforms in the country. Uh, a lot of things that you might recognize. He introduced the first constitution, uh, the beginning of Thai democracy, the absorption of the kingdom of Chiang Mai, which was previously a client state, kind of a quasi-independent client state, and unified Siam. Also changed the name to Thailand to modernize the country. He introduced the greeting Sawatdi Krap. Uh, before that, Thais just asked, have you eaten yet in Thai? And he wanted to have a, <laughs> a an analog to hello. Yeah. yeah. Food, of course, so, very important. Hold on, hold on. Yeah. There was no way of saying hello. You would just greet someone and say, have you eaten yet? Like that's how important like hospitality it, and food hello. is in Thai culture. Yes. Yes. That's that's so, that's really interesting. Linguistically, this is really interesting, James, too. The word sawatdi actually comes from the word swastika which is a symbol in Buddhism for good luck, mm -hmm. like a blessing of good luck upon someone. So when you're saying Sawati Krap, you're actually blessing somebody with a swastika, essentially. That's where that word linguistically comes from. Isn't that interesting? That is interesting. So he created that. He also created the modern Thai tricolored flag, which was modeled after those of Western countries. He instituted the Thai national anthem, a series of cultural mandates, many of which are still in effect today. And most importantly of all, he created, along with his private chef, the dish pad thai before this he wanted to have a national dish but thailand has all these different regions different culinary regions and the food in the south and the north mm -hmm. and the northeast very different what is your favorite my favorite region of thai food mm -hmm. uh, of course i love central thai food but i have it every day so for special occasions i love northern food i love something like khao soy uh, which is like a kind of a curry soup with chicken i love a uh, sai ua this kind of spicy sausage i believe it's eastern for me, that's lob and um, sticky rice, papaya salad, yep. yeah, minced pork, mm -hmm. like a somtam. Uh, so that's what he did, right? He wanted a dish that was of a neutral flavor that could be accepted by each of these regions. And he invented it basically from whole cloth with his chef to make just a national dish. So pad thai is not an organic food. It was created in the 1940s. Well, one of his mandates also was that every province must have its own market. Chattachuk Market was part of this. It was created as this weekend market, and uh, even nowadays, it's still incredibly active. It's a bit more touristy now than local, but you can still get really great cheap stuff there. You can find everything. I mean, silverware and clothes and candles and just trinkets. I mean, you've been there. Let's talk about Chattachuk Market. I have. You, you okay. even got to see the, the famous paella guy. The big Spanish man that cooks paella and dances with a photograph of himself. <laughs> <laughs> I do want to bring up one thing um, before we continue on. Mm -hmm. um, again, just if 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 our listeners don't know, the the swastika is a very old symbol and was adopted by um, Hitler in Nazi Germany. So it was it was Hindu and Buddhist long before it was. I'm a bit desensitized to it. You know, I see it yeah. everywhere nowadays. I see it written on people's houses and people's necklaces it's not a nazi thing this is not a nazi thing yeah <laughs> so yeah just thought i'd bring that up for those of you that don't maybe don't know and are like wait a minute that's a good point i'm like in the 1930s they instituted the swastika <laughs> unrelated. <laughs> unrelated unrelated um it does it's like a kind of peace and good luck and kind of all the things so just 
just a little, you know. Thank you, James. That's important. Yes. Appreciate it. And so as back to um, Chattachak, Chattachak, right? Uh, Chattachak, yeah. Chattachak or JJ Market. You can call it JJ Market as well. It is hectic. What we kind of did was we just sort of, because there's the outer rim and that's where all like the food stalls are and like some like more popular vendors and things like that. But then you just enter into this maze of stalls and you just kind of get lost and you just wander and wander and wander. And there's everything again from silk scarves to you know, candles. And I saw one that was selling paintings and electronics, antiques, books. I mean, like exotic, exotic animals. animals. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, here's a, a fun fact, James. It has 15,000 stalls, 11,500 vendors, 27 sections, over 200,000 visitors every weekend, and it is the world's largest weekend market. It's a lot of fun. Highly recommend. And you got to see the paella guy, who is this uh, Spanish expat who makes a gigantic, like just massive thing of paella. I didn't get to eat any of his paella because he is popular. <laughs> I never have either. No. I saw him at immigration once. Give him a little, little head nod. <laughs> Do expats have like a head nod? Do you look at another expat and you're like, all right. No, no, I do not make eye contact with them. I'm like, hey, just because we're the same ethnicity doesn't mean I have anything in common with you. It really bugs me because it's usually tourists, not other expats. They'll be walking around the street mm. and they'll be like looking at me and like, you know, I'm like, just because I'm white doesn't mean I want anything to do with you. I wouldn't acknowledge you in America. Why would I acknowledge you here in Bangkok? <laughs> uh, that's true. That is very true. <laughs> But I, I don't know, the Paella guy, he's a bit of a celebrity. I don't know. James, have you ever encountered a celebrity in the wild? And what do you do when you see them? I mean, it kind of does. It kind of segues into it because mine was at an airport or more on mine a plane. Too. Do you remember the show Supernatural? Yes. The two brothers, there was Dean and Sam. I forget his name. I forget both their names. But I sat next to Sam, the guy that played Sam on a plane. And that was that was it. That's the closest I've been to a celebrity. Oh, and I saw Patrick Stewart. At a Comic Con, I didn't meet him, and I didn't want to pay to like do the like go in and get his autograph. So I like snuck a picture through the crack in the door, <laughs> like a freak. <laughs> I once uh, once saw George R. R. Martin at LAX, but I didn't bother him. That is the thing is like if you do see a celebrity, I mean, part of me is like it's they're celebrities, so they're used to it. And if you want to like politely ask for like a picture or something, I wouldn't do it because I'm awkward, and so like. I would just like, like I talked to this guy, I, sat, I literally sat next to him on the plane and I talked to him for, for just a little bit, but it was just like, I'm just on a plane. Like I'm not. Cause like they're going where they want to go. They, they're not like here on celebrity business. Like with George R.R. R. Martin, how weird must it feel to just be like walking through the airport and like people know who you are, you know, he's, a, he's very recognizable. He had his little hat and his beard and everything, you know, like he was exactly like he wasn't in disguise james he was exactly how <laughs> i don't i don't think he can disguise himself <laughs> honestly that was the day i moved to thailand that was when i left the u.s uh, I, it was a good omen i saw um we've both seen hodor not the actual hodor but he was just his neighbor my really really tall neighbor this man was he had to be seven foot something this enormous enormous man uh, and he wasn't just tall. He was like, he was huge. He yeah. was a huge man living in a tiny apartment. He was, yeah, yeah, James, that's a good point. He was proportional. He was just really mm -hmm. big. Because <laughs> I remember like passing him in the door and I'm a big, I'm a big guy. 
I'm, I'm fairly tall. Like I'm broad. I'm a big guy. I don't normally feel small when I opened the door for him one time and he walked by and I was like, I have, I felt like a child. Anyway, I hope, I hope you're doing great. We're not calling him Hodor out of offense. He was just huge. He's just a large guy. I saw him getting a taxi once. It was spectacular. <laughs> so he, he was probably like the size of Shaq. Like legitimately. Like he looked like he was like a white Shaq. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, we're, we're getting off topic again. So you've seen George R. R. Martin at the airport. I sat next to whatever his name is on a plane. All right. Well, let's get into it, James. Today we're talking about airports. And so apart from sitting next to that one guy, how about this? What are some <laughs> of your favorite airports in the world? Got to give a shout out to my home airport of Dallas Love Field, not the international airport. Well, it is an international airport. It is not the international airport. Right. We're not talking DFW. Yeah. Dallas Love Field. It's a it's a smaller airport, but it has the best food court I've ever seen in an airport. Ever. My only gripe is that it's kind of hard to get to. That is true. It's kind of like in the middle of town without like a highway access. You kind of have to meander. Yeah, at least from where where we grew up, I was once flying out of there to go back to Bangkok and I was really stressing because like traffic was weird and and it was hard to get there. And I was like, if I miss this flight, I'm going to miss my international flight and it's not going to be great. But uh, but I'm a fan. I do like it. The Reno airport is very nice. Again, very small. But even on the day before Thanksgiving, which is awful, I had no issue. I had seats. I had an outlet. Wonderful time. Other than that, Sawanaboom Airport is insane. It's so huge. I got there one time and my flight was in like 20 minutes and like sprinting through the airport. And it's a big airport. I felt like I ran like two miles. Most airports are kind of just airports, you know. Of the ones I've spent any amount of time in, Sawanapum okay. is my favorite. Sawanapum's a good one. I'm really fond of, well, as far as little airports go, the Flagstaff Airport in Arizona is really nice. So if you're flying in to uh, go visit the Grand Canyon, it is tiny. I think it has two gates, has a little bar, but it has a really nice like viewing area. It is so small. It's like you're at a little house, but it's a really nice experience. Super easy. Internationally, I've had really good experiences at Incheon Airport in Korea, which is one of the like recognized, one of the best airports in the world. They have a museum. I think they have a cinema. Singapore Airport also is recognized as one of the best. I've been there, but I wasn't able to really spend any time there. I can't, I can't comment on it, I'm afraid, but I've heard that they're very nice as well. But what's nice about Incheon Airport, the thing I loved about it, is that they offer these, they call them transit tours, that are free. So if you have a layover... Like say you have a five-hour layover and you don't know what to do, you can book from the Korean government a free transit tour. They'll pick you up. They'll take you to see like a local site. So I only had a short time. I had like four or five hours. So I took a one-hour transit tour to visit this local temple. And the guy taught us a little bit about Korean history and culture and a bit about the, the history of this temple. We went back to the airport. Just a brief introduction to Korea but it was free, you know, and the idea of it is that they want to interest people so that they come back and they visit mm -hmm. uh, Korea in their next trip. Those are my favorites. How about your least favorite? I want, I'm curious to see if we both agree on this one. Least favorite airport I've ever been in. You know, LAX is bad. That's it. Very bad. That's where I have to fly in when I come back to the U.S. from, from Asia, and it's awful. LAX is the Los Angeles International Airport. It's definitely not my favorite, but it is not my least favorite. Is it not? I have two 
that beat it for me because at LAX, at least it's big, you know, and like I've, I haven't been there in years and years and years, so it could be very much worse now. For sketchy. Last time I was there, I saw like two homeless dudes fighting over a thing of grapes (laughs) and like this woman who was like most definitely schizophrenic was like trying to come up and talk to me about just like her life philosophies. I don't even know. I had to go hide in the baggage claim to escape from them. (laughs) (laughs) Okay. That's, that's bad. Um, I would say LaGuardia is, is worse. LaGuardia airport is worse in New York. It's a hallway with like seven foot ceilings, old fluorescent lights, no seating, no outlets, and one like Auntie Anne's. And that is it. And I was stuck there for like seven hours. (laughs) Southwest had one terminal, so you couldn't even, like, leave and go wander. And then Las Vegas. Las Vegas airport. I hate. I hate it. I hate it. I hate it. One, always packed. Full of stupid slot machines and all this other crap. Um, They built a new section onto it that's very nice, but they didn't renovate the old section. They just, like, kept it old. And so, like, you're walking, you're like, oh, it's nice. And then all of a sudden, like, your gate's in the crappy section. (laughs) And, I don't know, it's more... If I can find a seat away from people and just chill out, I'm pretty much okay with anything. Like, I don't really care about the amenities because there's always going to be like a um, place you can go get some crackers and a $7 bottle of water. (laughs) Yeah. But like you go, you get your little thing of grapes and you hide from the homeless guy. You go sit. Yeah. (laughs) To be clear, James, they were not my grapes. They were just on the floor. I was just trying desperately to be inconspicuous (laughs) but no i mean if i can find a spot away from some people it doesn't have to be like by myself because i know that's not really feasible in an airport but like in an unused gate or something where i can sit and like pull out my computer and like watch netflix or something in some relative peace i'm fine but like laguardia there was no there were like because all these flights were delayed so people were backed up for hours and hours and hours. And so there was no seats. People were just sitting in the hallway, just lined up along the hall. And it's just terrible. Just terrible. But those were not my worst airport experience. My least favorite airports did not have my worst airport experience. So where was that? That was in, um, is it Pudang? Pudang. Pudong. Pudong in um, Shanghai. Shanghai, thank you. I, I was drawing a complete blank. Um, man, I spent so much time there. Well, you're blocking it out. The, my worst airport experience was in Pudong International Airport in Shanghai, China. I have never had just a worse time <laughs> in my life. I've been there twice and have purposely routed every other trip I've ever taken not there. My first time I went there was the very first time I ever came to Thailand. I got the cheapest flight and it happened to go through Shanghai. This is not a ding on Shanghai. I'm sure it's lovely. I flew from Dallas to New York, which is a four and a half hour flight. Then from New York to Shanghai, which is a 15 and a half hour flight. And then I had a 17 hour layover where they would not let me through security. So I was stuck outside of security. I mean, it is not. I had a guy trying to sell me the same iPhone three or four times. You know. I I wanted food, but the the one restaurant that was outside of security had no pictures on the menu. So it was just all in Chinese. And this was before Google was good. You couldn't take a picture and translate it. I had no way of knowing 
what they were serving. And I like Chinese food. I've had authentic Chinese food. Some of it gets crazy for me. And I wasn't about to take that chance. And so they had a little convenience store that I was able to, to at least look at packages. <laughs> right. Coca-Cola looks like Coca-Cola, whether it's in English or Chinese. I got a Coca-Cola and some random snacks. And it is just not a very, at least outside security is not a foreigner friendly place. Okay. Which is odd because it's such a big international city. Yeah. But it is, at least for me, it was not. And to, this was my first time out of the country. The first time I spent any amount of time out of North America was in Shanghai and right. by myself stuck outside. And I asked a couple times, like, can I just go through security? Like, why? Like, and of course, there's a language barrier. And so nothing. Um, yeah. 17 hours of I can't sleep. I can't relax. I tried to read my book. So basically, I was just like trying to do stuff on my phone to keep me entertained, except everything's blocked. You know, I can't watch Netflix. I can't just surf the web. I can't do any. I can't talk to people because everything is blocked. And so 17 hours felt like 50. And it was so bad that on my way back, I had to lay over at the same airport, but for 22 hours and I got a hotel. <laughs> I spent I don't even remember. It didn't matter how much at that point I was willing to pay whatever. So I stayed at like the super like fancy hotel, like the airport hotel. No, it, it was actually like five or six miles away from the airport. I got there and I'm in my tie clothes. I'm in shorts and a t-shirt. Yeah. I called the hotel and we eventually are able to communicate that I need someone to pick me up at the airport. So they send someone and I step outside and it's like 20 degrees. It's so cold. <laughs> like, oh man, I have never slept so good though. I bet. I, you know, what's the funniest part is like, you joked about me blocking it out. I kind of do like my brain doesn't register that I spent the night in a Chinese hotel. Like I, the next day, my flight wasn't until like 3 PM. And so I was just a checkout was at 11. I checked out and I like, I just hung out in the lobby and I, like, I went to the restaurant and I had a burger. <laughs> nice <laughs> oh, it, was, it was like a radisson or something it was it was a european yeah. or american hotel chain i had like a mushroom burger in the hotel it was great it was delicious it was a pretty hotel like it had like a waterfall garden outside it was it was great but my brain legitimately blocks that time period out <laughs> oh man but anyway i did meet a very very nice guy a few nice people there first one i met on my flight from new york to shanghai i forget his name he was great he did not have a long enough layover because he was originally from Shanghai, but he was going to visit um, family in in central kind of China and like some rural parts of China. Um, and so we had been talking. We sat next to each other on the plane. We were talking and he didn't have a long enough layover. Or he was going to show me around Shanghai. And I was like, that would have been way better. Yeah. Than <laughs> sitting in the airport. Oh, well. So that is my worst airport experience. It may sound silly because it was just long, but... Oh, man. Well, that's kind of the point, right? That's kind of what we're talking about today. Like, sometimes you have to have a layover for 12, 14, 22 hours. Like, what do you do if you're not going to get a hotel? Mm -hmm. I mean, I've done all sorts of crazy stuff to pass the time. Like, So let's talk about that, James. How do we survive? Because airports are typically, I would say, safe. The mm -hmm. biggest, quote, survival is boredom, right? The, the thing you have to survive yes. is boredom of just being, you know, being stuck there in this gray 
fluorescent sort of. Uh, and time, time moves differently in airports. Yeah. Like airports kind of feel like their own dimension. Like it doesn't feel real and time moves very differently. If you are running behind an hour is 10 minutes. If you are there too early, an hour is eternity. Yes. And you're right. I mean, again, there is nothing to quote unquote survive. Most airports are very safe, but boredom is awful. So, and I know it just repeated you, but like, <laughs> it's how podcasts work. You just repeat each other until you reach an hour and then you're done. So uh, in short, James, there's nothing that we're really worried about surviving, but <laughs> <laughs> but the boredom. <laughs> oh, man. What do you do? Let me give you a few of my tips, and I want to hear a few of yours. First. So first of all, my first tip is just check if there is a transit tour. Uh, Korea is definitely not the only country that does that. I think, but don't quote me on it, I think the UAE has something similar. If you're at Dubai Airport, I think they also offer some kind of tours. Uh, and I think that most, I don't know, I won't say most, but I think that several different international airports have a similar program. So just Google it, you know, Google whatever airport you're at, transit tours, something like that. You might be able to find something to have a guided tour. This way you're not like running out on your own. You're guaranteed to be back in time. You're not trying to find out where to go or what to see. You're just on a tour, you know, created by the airport or by the Ministry of Tourism. And that's a really cool way to, you know, A, pass the time, but B, learn a little bit about the country that you're in just for that short time that you're there. Uh, if you don't mm -hmm. or if you're not able to do that, you know, you could always just go to a taxi driver or say how much for, for one day, you know, I don't know, $50, $100, whatever, and have them take you to the best most famous tourist sites. They're going to be way more touristy, but you're still going to see some of the sites. You know, you can at least get out and explore a little bit. Um, I would rather have an organized transit tour if I'm in that in that scenario, but that's an option as well. So, I mean, what else? Mm -hmm. What else can you do to pass that time if you can't leave the airport? I like walking around the airport, for one. A lot of airports have quite a bit of history behind them, and places like especially in the U.S., big airports, some of them have like museums inside them. Yeah. Museums, art installations, things like that. Stuff to help you in your hour of need. <laughs> right. So wa wander around the airport. If you're the talkative kind of person, maybe try and start up a conversation with someone. They're not always going to reciprocate, but it never hurts, you know? Especially if someone is as bored as you are. They're going to be happy to have someone to talk to. Michael, you and I do most of our traveling alone, it seems like. Yes, and so this is kind of what that's focused on. If you have a person with you, it's way better. Way, way better. At least you can talk to someone, right? Yeah. It almost doesn't matter how long the layover is if you can just talk to your friend. <laughs> and we'll we'll have a story about that sure. in a little bit. Yes, we will. DFW has that sound maze. Have you ever been able to figure that thing out? I have not. I've honestly only ever been to DFW Airport like two times. Really? Okay. Yeah. I'm, I almost always fly out of Love Field. Okay. See, I've only been to Love Field like two or three times. Well... For a long time, I, I, I was able to get really cheap flights on Southwest. Right. And so for a long time, I had no reason to use another airline. Now I'm just kind of like, yeah, I can use whatever. But so I've only been to DFW Airport flying back internationally. Ah, uh, okay. So you've never actually tried the sound maze? I have not. It's in Terminal D, which is like the international terminal. But I've never actually been able mm. to figure out how it works. It's very confusing. <laughs> yeah, because even when... I do fly out. I have flown out of DFW internationally, but I fly to somewhere else in the U.S. first. Gotcha. Okay. Like I flew from Dallas to Houston, then Houston to Tokyo. 
Yeah. Which Tokyo Airport. That's a good one, too. Also nice. Yeah. Both of them. Narita and Hanita. Both nice. I've been to Narita and it was very nice. I have a tradition at both of them. Whenever I'm in Tokyo, either airport, I'm usually just there for a layover. I will always grab a beer at the convenience store and I will go and I will sit on their viewing deck because both airports have a really nice like airport viewing deck. And I guess if you if you smoke or whatever, you can go up there and smoke. But uh, but it's a nice place to sit down, crack open a beer, and just watch the planes take off and land, kind of feel the cooler air. It's kind of one of my travel rituals when I'm laying over in Japan. And, it, and it's a fun way to do it. So if your airport also has a viewing deck, which a lot of them do, that's a really fun way to pass the time. You know, if you can, especially if you can get a beer, just go and, you know, sit down and enjoy for, you know, an hour mm-hmm. or so. It's, it's nice. There's another tip. Drink a beer or two. Yeah, yeah. It helps. <laughs> oh, it helps. <laughs> you can have like a, a beer at 6 a.m. because nobody cares because you're at an airport. And again, time's not real. Right. Go get a beer, go get a Cinnabon, and just <laughs> enjoy, enjoy eating the worst foods humanity can come up with. I was, I think it was Frankfurt, and I had a layover for like five or six hours. So I just went to the shower, and, I, and it felt nice. You know, after being on the plane, you kind of feel kind of grimy and greasy and, and gross. So. Mm-hmm. You know, I always carry a, a change of clothes, so I just went to the airport, took a shower, changed clothes, and felt so much better. Because after 15 hours on a plane, like, an airplane is the only place you can somehow be freezing and sweating at the same time. It's disgusting. Air travel is not glamorous. I don't care what anyone says. Unless you can afford business class, it is honestly my least favorite way to travel. I would rather be on a boat. I would rather get on a container ship. <laughs> Honestly, I would love to do that. I would love to sail across the sea on a container ship. They, you know, you can do that. You can book book a ticket if you want. You can, you can. They're like, look, and there's like, there's nothing to do for you. Like, yeah. you bring your own stuff because there ain't nothing for you. You eat when we eat. You eat what we eat. There's no entertainment. <laughs> nothing. But anyway, so just sort of embrace the the weirdness that are that is airports one time i got a haircut in japan just to pass the time (laughs) (laughs) why i I had like three hours and my hair was getting a little bit long and i'm like you know two birds with one stone right just like (laughs) they have a barber in the airport yeah so like i guess that's that's the lesson right explore and just see what facilities they have they might have more stuff than you think man u.s airports suck (laughs) <laughs> they do compared like internationally like some of the airports have incredible facilities so like singapore airport let's talk about this one for example okay so singapore airport usually wins the annual award for having the best facilities so let's have a look at what they have at changi international airport in singapore so they have a botanical garden inside the airport with a waterfall they have a butterfly garden they have a cinema they have uh, they the, Singapore also offers free city tours. They have a children's playground. Let's see what else they have: museums, bicycle rental, so you can you can rent a bike and go biking. Like they have facilities to help you pass the time. U.S. airports are really boring. It's a bus terminal with a plane. It's yeah, yeah. But internationally, they tend to have a lot better facilities and a lot more interesting things to see and do, and you know, museums mm-hmm. and yeah, a butterfly garden like <laughs> in the airport. You know, I think what it probably is honestly is that most most foreign airports are funded by the government a lot of airports in the u.s are private i at some level i believe i could be wrong on that i think you're right no i think you're right so i mean it's just profit i mean why put any of those things in when people still have to go there you know what i mean and that's that's a very american kind of mind business model is that people are going to have to be here anyway it doesn't matter if they're miserable or not 
just kind of like the air travel industry as a whole. I mean, they're coming up with new and inventive ways to cram us all in like sardines. I guess the last story to tell is the time that we were coming back from Florida. We were in Fort Lauderdale together. Yeah, we were. And our flights got massively delayed. And that's not a very big airport. That's a pretty small no. airport. Pretty good airport, though. Yeah, no, it's not nice, bad. but there's not a ton to do to pass the time. No, and so we had already been there. So we had spent, I think, three days in Florida. Three days, something like that. Eating Pringles, drinking beer, mm-hmm. snorkeling. All I could afford. <laughs> yeah, we spent all our money on snorkeling in, in the hotel. Yeah. So we just like hung out on the beach and went in like... Just had a good time. It was just, it was great. It was a super relaxing, nice time. Highly recommend Fort Lauderdale. Highly recommend. Love it. It's like one, one of two places in Florida I enjoy. Jupiter, Florida is really nice. So is Fort Lauderdale. Miami's cool. If you want to go. Admittedly, I've never been to the Keys. I've always wanted to. Yes. I have some friends that I worked with from Chile. And before they went back to Chile, they went to the Florida Keys and said it was the best place they'd ever been. So I want to go. But anyway, we, so we, it was our last day. I'm pretty sure we had like gotten like margaritas before we went to the airport, because why not? So we got to the airport. They were a few hours early, nothing crazy. And so we're hanging out, and then some storms start rolling in. And then delayed an hour, delayed another hour. Plane lands, we get on the plane, and then we're stuck. One hour goes by. Two hours goes by. Then they open the doors and say, if you want to go sit in the terminal, you can. If they ever let you off the plane, you're not leaving. No, it was so long. It was hours later when we left. Our flight was supposed to be at like 6 p.m. or something like that, and we didn't leave till close to 10, 11 p.m. To be fair, they did give us free cocktails. I had a, a gin and tonic. It was great. We were flying from Fort Lauderdale to Houston to catch a flight to Dallas. Now... Once we finally were about to take off, the flight attendant stands up at the front and says, how many of you have a connecting flight in Houston? Everyone raises their hands. He goes, well, now you don't. And <laughs> so we very quickly booked a hotel. Do you remember the like huge fat guy that like yes. kicked that Indian man off the tr- thing? He, He's like, I can't fit. I can't fit. You're going to have to get out. <laughs> yeah. It's not how this works. No. He didn't get out, did he? No, but he had to like let the guy in and then move to the back. The poor little old Indian man had to move to the very back of the bus. Because this enormous man couldn't fit. That was the shuttle to the to the hotel. And to the hotel. We get to the hotel and there's a jack in the box. And we're like, oh, thank God. They closed 45 minutes early. They were closed, man. It was weird. People were in there. Their doors were locked. They were looking at us trying to get in. Like They were just looking. And so then we... I think I got the Pizza Hut order in with like two minutes till they closed. Give them a nice tip. Yeah, I remember that. Nice tip. That was a great night. And you know, honestly, it kind of made the trip better. It extended the trip a day. We just like hung out and like watched TV and ate pizza. We watched Jag. Remember that? We did. Oh, we, we did watch Jag. Fun fact, you guys, that was going to be one of our podcast ideas. It was. We were just going to watch every episode of Jag and talk about it. <laughs> you know, I don't know <laughs> how a good idea that would be. We were just going to watch every episode and comment on it. Yeah, the, the rejagging would have been fun. That would have been fun. The rejagging. not only were we going to watch every episode, we were going to redub every episode of Jag. I'm, I'm both upset and happy we didn't do that. <laughs> nobody watches Jag, and nobody wants to hear Michael and I redub Jag with whatever <laughs> nonsense we're talking about. Or even talk about Jag. <laughs> <laughs> what an odd idea for a podcast. And the episode we watched was super strange, too. There was, like, a North Korean spy. You remember that? 
it was one of those late episodes where they weren't really realistic anymore. But anyway, we are so off topic at this point. <laughs> uh, man, this was supposed to be about airport tips, but you know, it, airport stories. How about that? Airport stories. Yeah, airport stories. If you have the money, you can stay at a lounge. I've never done so. I have flown business class one time in my life. One time. It was from Bangkok to Tokyo. That's a nice long flight. Mm -hmm. Nice. That's like six hours. We had the lounge. They had hot food. They had cold food. They had cocktail bar. Everything you could ever want. Little pastries and Coke Zeros. All free, of course. At the Bangkok airport at Suwanapum, if you have like um, a business class ticket, you have your private security. Private security. The line for regular security was like two hours long and we were through in 15 minutes. That's awesome. Because you know when you go through security, you go up and you go up the escalator? Yeah. Is that Suwanapum? Yes. Um, there's a door underneath that. If you go up to the escalator, walk along it, there's a door that's for business class. <laughs> and so we got that. We got priority boarding. The only problem is I was sick as a dog, so I couldn't even enjoy it. I'm happy we were in business class because I was able to lay flat mm -hmm. and just relax and just, you know, thank God for big chairs. But then they like served a meal. It was beautiful looking. It was like, I don't even know, it was chicken and like rice and all this other good stuff. And I couldn't eat it. I couldn't enjoy it. But United Airlines does have Economy Plus, which I will never fly anything less than that again if I'm going on an international trip. For Michael, for you, you travel internationally a lot. I don't. And so for me, it's like a big deal. And so when I do, I'm, I'm willing to pay the extra couple hundred bucks. Me and my wife, when we last went to Thailand, we had Economy Plus and you get seats that are, um, there's two seats, then three seats, then two seats. So it's the same layout as like business class is typically on the older planes, but it's just me and her on a row. They're wider. You have leg room. You can lay back. Just wonderful. Yeah. It's just so much better. Flying to Asia in economy is is one of the worst experiences. Well, tell me about it, James. I know. <laughs> you should you should upgrade one time. Just If I had the money, believe me, I wouldn't be flying like this. That's true. <laughs> well, folks, if you have some airport experiences or tips that you'd like to share, get in touch with us. Hello at attemptadventure.com. We would love to hear from you, and we will definitely check out your listener mail and maybe even read it on the show. Well, James, it is now time for our favorite segment, Adventures in the News. This week, sir, it's my turn, and I have found an article, uh, and here's the headline. Japanese man, 83, becomes oldest person in history to sail solo nonstop across the Pacific. Nice. So this is uh, Kenichi Horie. He was the first person to successfully do it in 1962, and now at the age of 83, he has done it again. This man's just sailing across the ocean for fun. He is. Oh, man. See, it's stuff like that that makes me look at like what I'm doing, and I'm just like, what, what am I doing? Well, here's, here's what he says, James. Here's his quote, and I want you to think about this one, and, and we can talk about it in okay. a second. This is what he says, right? So after he landed, CNN interviewed him over satellite phone. He said, don't let your dreams just stay as dreams. Have a goal, work towards achieving this, and a beautiful life awaits. That's great advice, honestly. Yeah. It's one of those things that sounds kind of, um, what's the word I'm looking for? It sounds just like something like a motivational poster would say, 
but it's true. It's true. And to hear it from someone that actually did it and not like a life coach, you know what I mean? Not that being a life coach is bad, but that's awesome. Well, congratulations again. He left San Francisco, California on the 27th of March. Uh, He made no port calls. He was spotted off the coast of Hawaii on the 16th of April. Uh, Eventually made his way and uh, arrived in Japan uh, June 4th. So this is fairly recently. So it took him a couple of months. It says that he has traveled across the Pacific in multiple vessels, including one made from aluminum cans, one made from beer kegs and whiskey barrels, and powered by solar panels and foot pedals. Uh, It says he does not train for his adventures. He says, I'm always fine, always in shape. No overeating, no overdrinking. Asked whether he had any concerns about his trip, he said, nothing at all. Well, maybe just being old. (laughs) (laughs) This man just sees the ocean. He's just like, that's nothing. I'm going to go in a whiskey barrel. (laughs) This man has no fear of the ocean. Which I guess you really can't if you were going to do something like that. Which is why I could never do something like that. See, I'm not afraid of the ocean. The ocean doesn't scare me. Deep water doesn't scare me. No, I'm not afraid of the ocean. I would be afraid of going solo across the Pacific. (laughs) Yes, I would just be afraid of being by myself. Yeah, I couldn't do it by myself. I'm not going to say I could do it at all because, well, I'm not in shape. I do it on like a motorboat. (laughs) I could do that. But anyway, well, that's really cool. So, yeah, advice here. Just pick an adventure and just make it happen. Whatever it takes, make it happen. All right. Well, folks, that is the advice for today. If you enjoyed the show, please don't forget to subscribe and maybe even consider giving us a review on your podcast app of choice. It really does help us out, helps us reach out to other people who want to find the show. Don't forget you can check us out on our Kofi page, kofi.com slash attempt adventure, or click the support the show button on our website. There you can buy us a beer and help keep the show on the air. You can find more Attempt Adventure content on Facebook, Instagram, and YouTube, where we are Attempt Adventure. And as always, you can send listener mail to hello at attemptadventure.com or just click the little contact us button on our website and it will send it directly to our inbox. Mm -hmm. We will see you next time. And until then, keep adventuring.